Welcome to a parenting space actually designed for you, where you can get answers about navigating a life that includes autism. I'm Dr. Tay, and today I'm answering your questions. Anytime you submit questions on my social media page, they could end up on this podcast. Let's dive into today's question. Hello, y'all. We are back for another Q&A episode, and this one I I loved. And as soon as I got the question, I was like, yes, I need to create a podcast episode. So what the question was is how can parents better themselves before they support their own kid or during the process of their child's treatment? This question came to us from Chris H. And Chris is not only an autism mama herself, but she's a sleep consultant for special needs needs families at Melissa Doman Sleep Consultant. So I loved the way that she framed this. She was asking in terms of how can she support the families that she's working with. And so I'm going to talk about both perspectives today in case you are a provider yourself and you want to know more about how to support the parents that you're working with. And also I want to make sure that if you're a parent listening to this, that it still feels very applicable to you. So let's go ahead and dive in. Again, the question is, how can parents better themselves before they support their own kid or during the process of their child's treatment? The first piece that I want to say right off the top of the episode is the fact that we are naming it and talking about it is so important because you are very likely experiencing this where you need support yourself. But a lot of times, because this isn't a talked about topic, parents don't bring this up at their kids' appointments. They don't advocate for themselves in this way. And there's really this feeling of guilt that if I focus and worry about myself, that means I'm being selfish. That means I'm being a bad parent. And I want to really flip it on its head today. So one of the things that we know about many, many autistic children is they're often pretty hyper aware of their environment and the people around them. And that is true, even if it feels like they're not paying attention. Autistic children's attention patterns may not look like neurotypical attention does, but they are picking up. And there's this ability to pick up on what's going on around them. And so if you are anxious, if you are stressed, if you are overwhelmed, if you're on edge, I guarantee your autistic child is picking up on that, even if it's not talked about. A lot of times we know that children learn so much through modeling. What is modeled to them? So even if you're saying you're fine, but there's actions throughout the day that are showing you're not fine, They're picking up on that. And what that also, and I know this might be hard to hear, but it could also be teaching them that it's important to emotionally suppress whatever they're feeling, which I know is not what you intend to actually model, but your actions speak way more powerfully than your words do. And so I want you to keep that in mind. It's not selfish to feel like you need your own support in this. Right off the bat, I want to say, I want you to drop the resistance. And I laugh as I'm saying that because it isn't that easy, but I at least want to give you a little shake of drop that you're fine in that you need to tell everyone you're fine. That resistance to accept help, that resistance to advocate for yourself, that resistance to feel like, no, 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 I don't need help and pushing it off. Drop that, right? Let it go. Can you package it in a little box right now and say goodbye to it and just embrace this episode and embrace that 
you seeking help is actually going to help you engage in your child's therapy process so much more. Here's the thing with autism therapy too, is really, it's not about what they learn during session. And I would even argue this is true. Even if they're going to an ABA center and getting lots of hours per week, it's not what they learn at the center. We need to generalize these skills, meaning they need to learn how to implement these things in everyday activities. Well, guess who's around their kid the most for everyday activities? You. And so there's a lot of undue burden with our current system with parents. And to be honest, I'm all about making system changes. I don't think this one will ever change. And what we can do is pair it with giving you support. So I want you to drop the resistance there, feeling like you're weak, feeling like there's something wrong with you if you need support in this journey. I want you to also create space for your feelings. And I'm going to be diving more into this on the episode because of some recent ahas that I'm having, and I'm having this gut feeling that parents need to hear this more. And then there's been a few validating things that have popped up like, yes, Taylor, you need to talk about this more. And so in a separate episode, we will talk about how you can create space for your feelings. But the biggest piece I want you to take is actually giving yourself permission to feel them rather than trying to get rid of them. I want you to be like, okay, listen, listen, feelings. It's okay. Come sit with me. Come sit down. You are okay. You're welcome here versus get the hell out of here. That's a lot of times how we treat our feelings is we're trying to push them away. We're trying to get them to leave because we're fearful of what our feelings will do to us. We're fearful how they will take control of us. But the irony is the more that we resist them, the more control they have over us versus if we can just welcome them to sit beside us and join us, they actually lose their power. And so I want you to create space. Another thing that I want you to have a really realistic conversation with yourself and If you are a provider, I want you to listen to this one in particular, is doing what feels manageable. So what's going to happen is if your child already has or is in the process of getting a diagnosis, you're going to get a million recommendations and you're going to feel like you have to do every single one of those. And what I want to tell you is you don't. I actually don't encourage you to. As a psychologist myself, I've actually pared down the amount of recommendations that I'm giving because a lot of times too, it's like we know as psychologists or even developmental pediatricians that we might not see you back. And so we want to support you, but that's also information overload. So I've pared down what I recommend, but even so, if you're a patient of mine and you don't feel like you have the mental bandwidth to be able to do all of it, then don't. Ask your child's provider and say, What's most important right now? Here's what I feel like is possible for my family. Because the other thing is, even if you feel like you have the bandwidth, you can rearrange things. What about your other kids in the mix? What about your partner in the mix? How is it impacting family time? How is it impacting other things that you might be doing instead? And this is an important consideration. So what that means is if you were a provider, I want you to actually ask the parents you're working with, like, hey, how does this feel for you? Don't just make a recommendation and peace out. Actually have a conversation on what feels doable 
uncomfortable for them, how they're feeling about it. Because if they walk out of your office or the telehealth session or whatever, feeling overwhelmed, they're not going to implement it. So have that proactive conversation. And then on the back end, if you notice a parent not doing the quote unquote things that you're recommending, Use that as a doorbell of awareness to be like, okay, I need to lean in. I need to have a conversation and help them problem solve. I once had a parent in a session, I talked about a visual schedule and I was like, okay, how are you feeling about that? It's like, okay, yeah, I think I got it. Parent went through the week. We met in the next session and I was like, how did it go? And they were like, I didn't do it. I was like, okay, let's take a pause. And I'll even say to parents, there's no shame and guilt here. Let's figure out what's not working for your life. You are not flawed. So if you're a parent, I want you to really let this sink in. You are not flawed. There is not something wrong with you. It's that recommendation isn't fitting your lifestyle and it isn't fitting what your family needs. And that is so, so essential. So I said, okay, well, what's getting in the way? Tell me. And the mom's like, okay, so what laminator do I need? And how do I print this? And I was like, okay, Let's take a step back here. I understand this because this is how my brain works too. It goes to every single detail. I'm like, let's just take a step back into simplicity. And one idea, it was about a bedtime routine. And I was like, I just want you to go take pictures on your phone. And then what you're going to do is you put them into an album. This is where you brush your teeth. This is what your bed looks like. Here's where your pajamas are, things like that. And put them on a phone and you can put them in an album and swipe through them and review that with your child ahead of time. You can even lock a device down if you need to, or put it on a device that they don't have a lot of access to, or that has some sort of limitation so that they can actually keep swiping through the sequence themselves. We as providers need to be willing to problem solve and you as parents need to realize that just because a provider recommends it doesn't mean you have to do it exactly as is and doesn't mean that if you don't do it, that something is wrong with you. And I think that's how parents often end up feeling. The other thing that I want to touch on is this idea of getting your own therapist. So this can be tricky and I still highly recommend it. I believe everyone should be in therapy at some point, but particularly autism is a journey you're navigating. And I say that firsthand as a kid, I wasn't in therapy as my brother was going through all of this. Again, the times were different back then. This was over two decades ago. And I don't think we realized the impact that autism had. And we do have more of an understanding now, but I'm going to therapy now talking about what it was like growing up with a sibling, allowing some of that to heal. And so if you can be in therapy during it, it's going to be such a powerful process. You're going to feel like you have the mental bandwidth to be able to work through things. You're going to feel more calm and regulated yourself. You're going to feel like you don't need to control everything. You're going to learn how not to live in the future, but instead live in the present. All of these are little tokens that are like cashing in on your child's therapy and your child's progress and growth and development. It's not about them changing. Sometimes as adults, we need to change too and realizing what a powerful tool that is. 
it can be hard to find a therapist who does understand your autism journey. And so don't be afraid to interview people. And this is something I realized that was hard to do, which is why I created the whole family approach. I literally have sessions with parents where it's like, we're not talking about your kid today. What's going on with you? And navigating through that. And that is also part of my group therapy program as well. And I'm really excited to lean into different tools to be able to support parents. The last one I want to invite you to try and more to come on this too, but is this idea of stillness or this idea of meditation or mindfulness. And a lot of times what happens when people think they need to do this, they go to I got to do it all and I got to do it every single day and I got to do it for a long time. Can you just take a couple minutes in your day to sit in silence, to slow down, to give yourself time and space to breathe? And I think it's going to go a long, long way. Other things that I want to mention is this idea of getting respite care or a babysitter who understands autism can be extremely effective. Respite care can be through your state. It varies state to state, but it's basically individuals who are trained in working with special needs kids and their role is to come in and give you a break. Hence, respite care. It's literally designed for this. And there's variability in different states of who will fund it for autistic children and who can't. So look into your state, but also looking for a babysitter who understands autism or a nanny who understands autism. Care.com is a great resource. Nanny Lane is a great resource or even just local Facebook communities or asking around in your autism social circles. If people know people and being able to take time away from your kid is going to be really important and really restorative. All right. Well, I hope this episode helped with Q and A's. I'm just trying to get you a lot of information fast, being able to record them more in real time, get you information, answer questions. And I'm going to tell you there is more to come on this topic because this isn't a standalone topic that's just answered by a Q and A, but I also wanted to be able to address it today because I think there is so much value and I just appreciate you, Chris, so much for asking this question. I hope this was helpful. I think the biggest piece in all of this though, is let's have more conversations like this and giving yourself permission to actually feel and experience what's going on and dropping the resistance to actually feeling instead giving yourself permission and realizing that it isn't selfish and it isn't going to take time away from your kid. In fact, it's truly this additive thing that it's going to benefit your child even more. All right. That's a wrap for this week's Q&A. I will see y'all back next week, next Monday. Another episode will be dropping. Bye y'all. This episode was meant to be short and sweet. Full-length episodes air every Wednesday with many episodes like this sprinkled in between. So subscribe now so you don't miss the next one. And if you want to inspire a future episode, because that's how we roll over here, ask me a question on any of my social media pages for a chance to have your question featured. Bye y'all, and I'll see you soon.